From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop? It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you're not alone. You may not know it, but support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through the friendly people at Church's Care. At Church's Care, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Church's Care helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's churchescare.com. C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more, wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, worldwide. Toll free 800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And our website where you can listen to the show, 724-365, www.exxonradiotv.com. Explanation. A couple of uh, months ago, I had Jack Duffy on the show, and uh, Jack was talking to us about his book entitled um, Black Mamba. It was a great hour, and we've had the pleasure of having Jack on the show before, talking about his expertise when it comes to a JFK assassination conspiracy expert. He is a strategic trial lawyer, a terrorism expert, a political analyst, and he's a national, nationally known legal expert. And we're going to be talking to Jack this hour about the JFK assassination, which I believe, Jack, we were saying that it's the 51st anniversary of the assassination this coming Saturday. 
Yes, that's correct. My gosh. Jack, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. Um, let me ask you, Jack, why after 51 years is the nation still so interested about the assassination of JFK? Well, the reason why is because 80% of the country and the world, for that matter, believes that it's an unsolved murder, that we don't know the truth about who really killed John F. Kennedy. And I agree with that. Uh, if we were certain about who had killed him, if we all believed Oswald did it alone, there'd be no reason to really be that much interested in it anymore. But uh, most of the country believes that we have been told the truth and that the truth has been covered up for some reason. And that for that reason, that's why people are still interested in the case and always will be. There, there, I, I was uh, I was speaking to somebody a while ago who was trying to convince me that it was actually the Russian mob or the Russian government that was that was behind a Russian mob execution of President Kennedy. How does that sit with you as an expert? Well, I don't, I don't agree with that. I haven't seen any evidence that mm-hmm. really supports that. Uh, that. That's kind of an interesting theory. I mean, that's that's kind of an off-the-chart theory for most researchers who have studied this for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, I've been studying it for over 40 years, and I, I, don't, I haven't seen one piece of evidence that links, hard evidence that links Russia to the whole thing. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that links the CIA and the mafia and the anti-Castro Cubans to the assassination, much more hard evidence than links Russia. Well, I, I I wondered after I spoke to this gentleman if he was if he was making that connection because of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and and how Kennedy basically, you know, stood up against the Big Bear and had the Big Bear back down uh, during the uh, during the um, uh, what was it called? Uh, not the Cold the, War. Yeah. And I was wondering if 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 there is a possibility that because. I, I've, I've heard so many people talk about the the Cuban connection, uh, the CIA connection, that maybe there could have actually been some connection with the Russians uh, in light of what, what what had just happened. Well, the problem is, this is towards the evidence. I don't, uh, I've don't. i studied this thing for 40 years, and I haven't seen one piece of evidence that proves that Russia was behind killing yeah. Kennedy. Just, just, just pure speculation. Sure. The fact that Oswald was living in Russia is the only thing that even ties Russia mm-hmm. with it. Uh, uh, I think the Soviet Union would have been really stupid to have killed Kennedy. Uh, it would have been like Cuba doing it. would have started a war, and we would have found out about it. Yeah. Uh, it's much more believable that the CIA was involved in this because the evidence points in their direction. And we could spend the next two hours talking about all the evidence that points to the CIA. Hard evidence. Uh, for one thing, they've destroyed all their files on Oswald, which is very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have nothing to hide, you don't destroy files on somebody like that. True. Uh, the House Committee that investigated the assassination wanted to see all the CIA's files on Oswald and were told that they'd been destroyed for mm-hmm. national security reasons. Uh, there was a man named David Phillips who was the head of the CIA's assassination program. He's now dead, but he was brought into Washington in front of the committee and said he to testify about Oswald. He denied knowing Oswald when they had hardcore evidence that he did know Oswald. Uh, a Cuban, uh, one of the Cubans that worked at the CIA saw Oswald talking with Phillips in Dallas weeks before the assassination. Uh, what they were talking about, we don't know, but this Cuban guy uh, told, testified that he saw Oswald with Phillips, and so we know for a fact that if he's telling the truth that Phillips knew who Oswald was and had met with him. Uh, there's was, there was another indication that the CIA was mixed up with this because a man named a man claiming to be Oswald was down in Mexico City weeks before the assassination, uh, visiting the Cuban and the Russian embassies. They photographed this man. The CIA actually photographed the man with their own cameras, and the man is not Oswald. Hmm. Clearly not Oswald, somebody else. And this man was using Oswald's name in phone conversations. 
that's never been totally explained to this day about who this guy was and why he was impersonating Oswald. Jack, you and I and have to take. On and on and on. Jack, you and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Thanks very much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Always great having you here on the show, Jack. Exonation. Jack Duffy is our special guest. He's the um, he's the author of several books, um, but we're he's the author of The Man from 2063 and Black Mamba. His website, themanfrom2063.com, and we'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. Don't go away. Exonation Jack Duffy is our special guest. www.themanfrom2063.com is his website. And Jack, what got what's what what was it that that brought you to the point where here you are 40 years later, you've 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 studied the assassination inside and out. What was it that that prompted you to take such an interest in the JFK assassination? Well, that's a good question. Uh, what got me interested in it was my father, uh, who was he's now deceased. Uh, he actually saw Kennedy the morning of the assassination. He saw him in Fort Worth at, his, at the breakfast there when he gave his final speech. But mm-hmm. uh, my father was playing bridge with my mother and some other, another couple uh, back in 1972. And this couple's older son was a police officer, and he had gotten a hold of a copy of the Zapruder film from a researcher who had gotten it from Jim Garrison. This was way before anybody had ever seen the film on TV. Right. And he had a bootleg 8mm copy of it, so he showed my dad this, the, the movie on an 8mm projector back then. And my dad was shocked by the film when he saw it, uh, and he told me about it the next day. And then I went over and looked at the film, and then I got a copy of it myself. And, of course, everybody's seen the film now for over many times. But uh, to me, the Zapruder film is the, is the key to the whole case. It's the most important home movie ever made in the history of the world. And it clearly shows that Kennedy was hit by two shooters, or at least two shooters, one from the front and one from the back. Uh, you know, the way his head reacted to the headshot, people believe now, and they still believe it to this day, that the fatal shot came from the right front because Kennedy was thrown violently to the back and left from the impact. And you see that clearly on the film. And had we not had this film, we may not have ever really known what had happened to Kennedy. But because his producer was lucky enough to film the whole thing, we, we have a time clock and a, an actual film showing what happened to the president. And that's what got me interested in it. Let, let's let's go back a little bit in time. Why was Kennedy assassinated? Was it because uh, of what happened with Cuba, or, or were there other reasons behind his assassination? Well, that's a good question. Uh, nobody knows for sure. I mean, we, we all would like to know the real truth on this mm-hmm. thing, but there's just a lot of speculation. But if I were going to guess about why I think it happened... It's a combination of several things. Uh, he had made a lot of enemies in the brief time he was president. He had stepped on a lot of toes. Uh, the CIA, for, for instance, he was uh, at odds with them over Cuba and Vietnam. Uh, his brother Robert, the attorney general, was going after organized crime like nobody else had ever done before, putting them in prison. And so the mob definitely did not like the Kennedys and had a reason to get rid of JFK. Uh, the Cubans, the anti-cancer Cubans, were upset with Kennedy about his uh, policy because of the Bay of Pigs invasion failing and then not taking Castro during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So they were all in cahoots with the CIA, or at least rogue CIA people who wanted to get rid of Kennedy. So there were a lot of reasons why a group could have gotten together and you know planned his death and gotten Oswald involved as a patsy or set him up as a patsy. So uh, 
I mean, I just think that's why he was killed. I think it was a, uh, they wanted to get rid of him because he was going to take us out of Vietnam, which they didn't want. And he was going to revamp the CIA, which they didn't want. Mm-hmm. And it, Kennedy was uh, dangerous. Kennedy was uh, was hard, was an untouchable. Uh, they couldn't do anything to him because he was too wealthy, too well-liked, too popular. He was going to get reelected very easily, and they knew that. And they had a problem. And the only way to get rid of him was to kill him, unfortunately. Um, was there any... Any any possibility that uh, President Johnson was involved in the assassination plot? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, there's, a, there's been many books written about Johnson's possible involvement, and I, I agree with a lot of what they've written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Johnson's mistress, Madeline Brown. She's deceased now, but I met, met her many years ago, and she told me that the day before the assassination, she was traveling with LBJ, and he made a comment that, after tomorrow, the Kennedys will never embarrass me again. That's not a threat. That's a promise. And she looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, just wait and see. Wow. And this is according to her now. And the next day, of course, Kennedy got killed. And then uh, she thought about what Johnson had told her. And uh, she started you know, asking him more about it later on. And he finally uh, told her on New Year's Eve of that year that it was the oil people in Texas and the CIA and the mob that had done it. And that's all she needed to know. Uh, but <laughs> So I think I think LBJ was definitely part of the plot or at least he knew it was going to happen and then he helped cover it up with the Warren Commission so he's just as culpable as the people who killed the president as far as I'm concerned what you know it it seems that the Warren Commission was basically a way to pacify the American public but the American public I don't believe really bought what the Warren Commission was trying to tell them right at the very first uh, everybody thought oh this has been a, a thorough investigation when mm-hmm. it came out in 1964 September 64 the whole country was embracing the Warren report oh yeah this is the, the final word you know it was just Lee Harvey Oswald there's no conspiracy I mean gosh you know Earl Warren and these other six men would never lie to us uh, you know people just accepted it hook, line, and sinker until a few mm-hmm. researchers started looking at the Warren report and looking at their evidence and started digging holes all of a sudden and the dam started breaking in the mid 60s and more and more information started coming out that it wasn't a thorough investigation, that it was probably a whitewash. And then people started really started believing it when they saw the Zapruder film in 1975 because my good friend Robert Groden was able to get it broadcast on Geraldo Rivera's show in March of 75, and the entire country got to see what really happened to the president on the film for the first time. That film had been suppressed, yeah. by the way, until 1969 for good reason. Life magazine did not want anybody to see that film because they knew what it, they knew what it showed and they knew what would happen if they showed that film to the American people way back in 64, 65, that we would know that we had been hoodwinked and that there was a conspiracy. Having had that film broadcast, why wasn't anything done? Why wasn't there another investigation? Why weren't those who suppressed the information brought to justice? Well, there was a new investigation. The House Committee was formed as a result of Groden putting the film on national TV. That's what caused the House Committee to, to come into existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Groden is the one that got it, got it, got it accomplished. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, we, they were forced to do it because the film came out, and right. they couldn't deny it anymore. Uh, so the House Committee was formed in the mid-'70s. They spent about two or three years of taxpayers' money trying to solve the assassination, trying to get to the bottom of it. I know because Groden was a good friend of mine. He was on the committee, right. uh, on the photographic panel. And uh, the problem with the, photo- with the House Committee is that they ran out of money. The CIA stonewalled the, their entire investigation, which is another reason why the CIA had something to lose in this, mm-hmm. because they were involved in it. They stonewalled everything that the committee tried to find out about regarding the CIA, um, I know because I talked to people who were on the committee, and they were very frustrated because the CIA would not cooperate at all with them. Um, you know, if you have nothing to hide, you don't you, you cooperate. Exactly. If you, if you have something to hide, is when you don't cooperate. Uh, the CIA, the CIA had to have been involved in killing the president. I mean, they, 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 their fingerprints are all over the, the whole assassination. Uh, it's just a real tragedy that 
the secret has been locked up and will be locked up apparently for who knows how many more decades. But uh, to answer your question, there was another investigation, and they finally came out and said after acoustics evidence proved to a 99% probability that there were at least four shots fired, which meant there had to be more than one gunman. And when they proved that, they had to say there was another shooter. But then they were crazy enough to say, well, there was a shooter on the grass, you know, because they couldn't deny it, deny it anymore. But they said, well, he missed the car. Uh, it was just Oswald firing mm. from the rear that hit the president. Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, the, the shooter that fired from the front did not miss the car. He, he's the one that killed Kennedy. <laughs> In your opinion, was Oswald uh, Patsy? No, absolutely. Uh, there's so much evidence down that's come out that points to him, the impossibility of him being the, the assassin on the sixth mm -hmm. floor. Number one, he was seen on the second floor by a lady named Carolyn Arnold who worked in the depository. She saw Oswald eating lunch at 12.15, which was 15 minutes before the shooting took place. Plus, Oswald named two employees later on after he was arrested, two other employees that were down there with him. He would not have known who those people were had he not been down there. Right. Uh, at the same time, he was seen in the lunchroom outside in the plaza. Two witnesses remember looking up and seeing a man in the sixth floor window with a high-powered rifle waiting on the motorcade. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, this is at 12.15, which is 15 minutes. The reason why we know the tire outside is because the Texas School Book Depository had a Hertz rental car sign on top of the roof. It's not there anymore today, but Hertz took it down after the assassination. But at the time, it was on the roof, and it flashed the temperature every few seconds. And witnesses were looking up and seeing the time on the clock, and it was 12.15 when they saw this guy in the window with a gun or a rifle runner. So at the time, even if the times are off by a few minutes, Oswald can't be in the lunchroom and on the sixth floor at the same time. That's one alibi. The second reason is, had Oswald killed the president, he would have had to come down four flights of stairs because the elevators didn't work that day. There was only one to get up and down. That was through the stairs. Two women who were on the staircase that we've tracked down over the years have come forward and said that they were coming down right as the shots finished and Oswald did not pass them on the stairwell. 
so if Oswald was mm. coming down to get away, he would have had to come down the stairs and he would have passed or been seen on the stairwell by those women. He was not. He was standing there lunch for 90 seconds after the last shot went off with a coke in his hand. He was not out of breath or nervous like he just killed the president, which is impossible if he just killed the president. He would have been out of breath and nervous. Uh, second, third of all, a lady named Geraldine Reed who came forward in the late 60s and was Robert Gruden, my good friend I talked to him a while ago, he interviewed Geraldine Reed in, uh, before she passed away, and she told him that what she was going to tell him was to remain secret until she died because she was scared for her life. She testified for the War Commission. They didn't want to hear what she had to say because what she had to say proved Oswald didn't kill the president. What she told Groden in the War Commission is that at the time the shots were being fired, Oswald was standing in her office getting change for a Coke. She said he was standing there when the shots were being fired because we heard the bang, bang of the shots going off. So Oswald was standing with me. He couldn't have killed the president. He was with me getting uh, getting change for a Coke. That's unbelievable. Uh, so she's telling the truth. Oswald yeah. could not have killed the president. So, so why, w- why was Oswald then targeted as the assassin? Because the people who killed the president had already selected him to be the fall guy. I mean, they had to have somebody take the blame for this. They couldn't just have nobody get caught. Uh, somebody's going to have to get caught when the president gets killed. They're going to keep looking until they find somebody. Right. Uh, so Oswald was already selected ahead of time by the, by the plotters to be their fall guy. Um, I believe that. I'm convinced of that beyond all doubt. He was picked because he, of his background. He'd been in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have now evidence that the CIA sent him over to Russia, which came out recently. People that work for the CIA have come forward now and said that they know Oswald's on the payroll of the CIA, that the CIA recruited him and sent him to Russia to spy on the Soviet Union. So if that's true, then he was already on the CIA's payroll. He was already a CIA agent. Uh, John J. McCone, the, the head of the, uh, the CIA, wrote a memo to the Warren Commission in March of 64 that was released years ago where he, it was top secret, he told the Warren Commission that Oswald had been specifically handpicked by the CIA to go into Russia and spy on them. He was one of their agents. Uh, and that was top secret. They couldn't tell the American people that back in the 60s. So Oswald was a CIA agent, uh, apparently, and was sent over there. So he, he's already on the payroll. It's not hard to see what the CIA can say. Let's use this guy to be our fall guy, and we'll kill him, and he'll never go to trial, and he'll never get his side of the story here, and that's what happened. How long had Oswald worked at the uh, Texas Book Depository? Prior to the assassination, uh, he went. He went to work on October the seventeenth. That was when he was hired. So he'd been there just a little over a month before he was killed. So this is this was already part of the plot. I think once he got hired there, either, either him getting hired there was pure coincidence and mm-hmm. it, it helped him out, uh, or else they arranged for him to get hired there or pulled some strings to make sure he got hired there as part of the plot. Uh, one of the most interesting things. Uh, one of my good friends, Vince Palomar, who's a researcher. He wrote a book on the Secret Service. He interviewed uh, several Secret Service agents who are still alive who were in Dallas in the motorcade. And they told him that two days before the assassination, the motorcade route was changed by somebody that they don't know who it was to this day, but somebody high up in the chain of command changed the route uh, from where it was supposed to go originally. It was supposed to originally have gone down Main Street mm-hmm. and not turned on Elm Street. Uh, they were supposed to just go straight down Main Street and then cut over on the Stimmons Freeway. Had that route, had they gone that route, uh, Kennedy would not have been assassinated because the shooters would have been too far away to hit him. Uh, but they changed the route, or somebody changed the route, to where they made that turn onto Houston Street and then another turn on Elm Street, which put Kennedy right in the line of fire from the grassy knoll in the book depository. Now that's very suspicious why this motorcade route was changed. That's All right, really, Jack. really amazing. Jack, we've got to take our news break. Please stand by. Jack Duffy is our guest. He is the author of The Man from 2063 and The Black Mamba, his website, www.themanfrom2063.com. Don't go away now.
Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Good News Radio Network, Rogers International, and iHeart Radio. 1-800-610-7035 is worldwide toll-free. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV, and you can listen to the show, 724-365 at exxonradiotv.com. Jack Duffy is our special guest. Uh, he is an expert on the JFK assassination, the conspiracy. He is a strategic a trial lawyer, terrorism expert, political analyst, and nationally known legal expert. He's the author of The Man from 2063, and his new book is entitled Black Mamba. His website, www.themanfrom2063.com. Jack, um, you were talking about people looking up at the Hertz sign on the Texas Book Depository and seeing a man with a rifle. Did anybody report yeah. this to the police or, or to the Secret Service? Well, they told the War Commission later on that they didn't get along by it because they thought it was a Secret Service or an FBI man up there oh. with a rifle, not an assassin, which, you know, you would think they would start questioning who's this guy up there with a gun. Yeah. But for some reason, they didn't, they didn't think it was an assassin. They just thought it was some Secret Service or FBI guy, which is, you know, amazing that they thought that. But that's, what they, that's why they didn't say anything or do anything. When it comes to evidence, Jack, as a, as a trial lawyer, you have more experience in this than a lot of people who who are, who research the JFK assassination. When it comes to the medical evidence, how strong is it? Oh, it's, it's powerful. Uh, I met and got to be good friends with two of the surgeons who personally worked on President Kennedy and tried to save his life on mm -hmm. November 22nd at Parkland Hospital. Uh, one of them has passed away, but the other one is still alive today. But there were 24 doctors in total that tried to save President Kennedy in Dallas. And I've seen interviews with every one of them. Uh, most of them have passed away, unfortunately, but there's still a handful left alive. But every doctor who was interviewed said the same thing. They said that the fatal shot that killed the president had come from the right front because they could see the back of the president's head completely mm -hmm. blown out while he was on the operating table. Uh, Dr. Robert McClellan, who's still alive, is one of my, is a good friend of mine, was standing over President Kennedy uh, the whole time they worked on him. He said he had the best view of Kennedy's head with all the doctors. He looked at Kennedy's head for 30 minutes while they worked on him. He told me that there's no doubt in his mind that the bullet that killed him came from the right front because they could see where the entrance hole was on the right part of the upper part of the forehead where, where it hit him in the forehead, mm -hmm. right at the top of the hairline, and the back of the head was completely blown out. There was a hole as big as, a, as your fist. They could put their fist into the hole. It was that big. Uh, so that's not an entrance wound in the rear of the head. That's an exit wound. If that's an exit wound, that means the shot came from the front, not from the rear, which means there was a shooter on the grass, you know, which killed the president. Wow. And, of course, looking at the Zupiter film, you can actually see the the president's, uh, the back of his head being blown out. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you know, if you'll, uh, what else is interesting is that at the time he's hit, mm -hmm. a big piece of his skull goes on the trunk of the car, which would not have happened if the shot comes from the rear. It would have gone to the front of the car, right. not to the trunk. Uh, his brain, brain matter and blood went to the left and rear of the car, which is consistent with a shot from the right front, not from the rear. And Bobby Hargis, who recently passed away, who was the motorcycle policeman to the left and rear of the limousine, one of them, he was hit so hard by Kennedy's brain and blood matter that he, he knew the shot had come from the right front, and he ran up there to try to catch the shooter. So people who say that Oswald did it have to explain all this away if there's no shooter on the know. With all this evidence, how can people still believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the single assassin? Because they're naive and they just... They just don't want to believe that there could have been a conspiracy. They just want to believe the what the government's 
told us for 51 years when the facts were just the opposite. I mean, it's clear cut. I mean, there was a TCU student uh, uh, who came uh, down to be the cause of the day after the assassination and photographed the area, and he found mm-hmm. a piece of Kennedy's occipital bone in the grass. Uh, it's the Harper. His name was Billy Harper. He, they call it the Harper fragment. He took the piece of bone to his dad, who was a doctor in Dallas, and the father took it to the pathologist who identified it as occipital bone, which is the back of your head, mm-hmm. and they realized it was part of Kennedy's skull that had been blown out 20 feet to the left and rear where he had been hit the day before. Now, how do you explain a piece of occipital bone being found to the left and rear of the car if the shot came from the rear? There's no way. Another part of the Kennedy assassination that I don't think anyone will ever forget was when the the Dallas police were bringing Lee Harvey Oswald into the basement to be transported, and Jack Ruby stepped out of the crowd and point blank range shot Lee Harvey Oswald. What was what was uh, Jack Ruby's role in this entire scenario? I believe he was part of the conspiracy. Uh, first of all, a lady named Julia Mercer, who is still alive today, but she's in uh, she's in uh, living seclusion. I've got fear. Uh, but she testified before the Warren Commission, the House Committee, and then she testified in, for Jim Garrison in his trial in New Orleans, and she mm-hmm. told the same thing to all three committees. Uh, she said that the morning of the assassination, she was caught in a traffic jam on Elm Street right in front of the Grassy Knoll area uh, while she was getting ready to go to work. And uh, a green pickup truck was parked to the right of her on part of the part of it was parked up on the curb and part of it was in the street. And she saw two men at the front of the truck, a uh, driver and a passenger. The passenger got out of the truck while she was stuck there and walked around and took a gun case like he'd carry a hunting rifle in mm-hmm. and walked up the hill behind the fence. Uh, the man who was the driver was staring at her like, like, what are you looking at, lady? You know, mind your own business. She got kind of scared because he kept looking at her and giving her a dirty look, and then she drove off. Well, what's important about this is because uh, when Ruby killed Oswald, she saw Ruby on television, and she told Jim Garrison and she told the Warren Commission that the man that was staring at her that had dropped that other man off with a gun that morning was Jack Ruby. She hmm. said, I got to go look at his face, and I don't forget a face, and that was Jack Ruby staring at me. He was the driver of that pickup. Now, she's telling the truth. Then here we have a connection with Ruby dropping some guy off two hours before the assassination. He has a rifle and a gun case. That's number one. Uh, Ruby also uh, was visited by mafia figures right after he shot Oswald. They were the first ones that came to the jail there in Dallas to meet with him in private. Uh, now, why would the mob be interested in talking to Jack Ruby uh, unless there's something that they don't want to communicate with? Uh, before the assassination, Ruby was receiving phone calls from very high-level mobsters throughout the United States. They were calling him for some reason because the House Committee traced the phone calls, got the phone numbers, and traced them where their, the calls came from. And we know they were coming from high-level mafia figures. Now, why would they be calling a guy like Jack Ruby, who's a nobody? Uh, that's just something very important that they're discussing with him. That's another uh, connection with the mob, uh, with Ruby. Ruby said to himself after the assassination, after he shot Oswald, there was a conspiracy that he didn't know anything about the details of, but he, he hinted that there was a conspiracy that killed Kennedy many times. He, told, he said that several times before he died. Um, so it's all it's all very interesting. Uh, Ruby was seen, uh, Robert Groden has proof that Ruby didn't just walk up on the spur of the moment like the Warren Commission and everybody else wants us to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who believe there's no conspiracy believe that Oswald just, I mean, Ruby just walked up on the spur of the moment and killed him, therefore there was no conspiracy. Well, Groden has uh, NBC film footage showing Ruby was down there 10 minutes before Oswald was brought down. So if he's down there 10 minutes beforehand, he didn't just walk up on the spur of the moment. He was waiting for Oswald to come down. But wasn't there a report that uh, Jack Ruby, just minutes before uh, he uh, shot uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, had actually gone to a Western Union? Uh, gone to a Western yeah. Union shop and uh, and sent one of his girls some money. 
Well, that's the story, but then Groden's got photographic mm. proof that he was down there 10 minutes before, wow. so apparently something's not right. Uh, that could have been an imposter that was using Ruby's name to provide an alibi yeah. for him to show the, to try to show there wasn't a conspiracy when there really was. Uh, Robert Groden told him that they'd never have proven for sure if the time stamp was correct on there, if the, if the timing was even correct, mm. or if it was even Ruby that, that actually was the man that posted the money. Uh, all I can say for sure is that he's got photographic proof that he's down there 10 minutes before Oswald's run out. So I don't, know, I don't know where this other story came from, but Ruby can't be in two places yeah. at once. Uh, so it's all very interesting. But uh, all right, so if we if we have if we have a CIA connection, if we have a Cuban connection, if we have uh, a mob connection, okay. we have we have let me see Jack Ruby, we have Lee Harvey Oswald, we have at least how many shooters would you say? There had to be at least three, minimum three, okay. two in the rear and one in the front, one on the grassy knoll. The reason why is definitely there was a shooter from the sixth floor window with Oswald's mm-hmm. rifle. I just don't think it was Oswald. I think that they got Oswald's rifle into the building without his knowledge, and the, they had a shooter use his rifle to make sure that he was linked to the, to the assassination that they had his rifle up there. Uh, another shooter was somewhere behind the limousine on, in another building or maybe on another, another window in the sixth floor. I'm not sure where the other shooter was, but he was somewhere, somewhere behind the car, too. The reason why there had to be two shooters in the rear is because uh, of the bullet that hit Conley. Uh, Conley, Governor Conley, was wounded along with President Kennedy. He survived. And Conley said uh, many times before he died, when he testified before the Warren Commission, that the bullet that hit him did not hit Kennedy also, that he was hit by a separate shot from Kennedy. He said that over and over and over. He never changed his opinion about that. And Conley was a hunter. He was experienced with gunfire and with gunshots and rifles because he hunted a lot. And he said, I can tell you right now that the bullet that hit Kennedy was not the one that hit me. So if he's correct, then both men were hit by two separate bullets within a second of one another, which means one guy couldn't have fired both shots with with the kind of rifle Oswald had, so there had to be another shooter that hit Conley. Was there a bullet ever retrieved from the car? Yes. Well, the magic bullet was found on the stretcher at Parkland Hospital, the one the stretcher that Conley was supposed to have been on. Uh, it's very interesting how that bullet came about. It just happened to show up unexpectedly, like it was planted there by somebody. The bullet itself is almost pristine. Uh, it's hardly ever, there's very little damage to the front of the bullet. And what's interesting about this is that uh, the bullet that went through Conley uh, smashed part of his rib and his right chest, and it also went through his wrist bone, which is the densest bone in your body. Right. And they've taken uh, they've, they've taken military ammunition like Oswald was supposed to be using, exactly the same kind of ammunition, same kind of round, and they fired test bullets into cadavers' wrists to see mm-hmm. what the bullets would look like when they came through a human wrist. Every bullet that they fired in the test came out flattened out, mushroomed out, just like you would expect a bullet to look when it hits a dense bone. But somehow this magic bullet that they find on the stretcher that went through Collie's wrist comes out without being deformed or flattened out at all. It's impossible. Well, well uh, wouldn't, they be able to, the wouldn't they have been able to do a, um, a forensic examination on the, the, the barrel twists on the bullet itself? to see whether or not... Yeah, well, they matched the bullet. They matched the bullet back to Oswald's rifle, but that could have been intentionally done. I mean, they could have set that up in advance, but they could have fired a bullet out of his gun into a cotton wadding and just taken the bullet out and said, okay, we're going to plant this now when we we shoot the president. Uh, So matching the bullet to Oswald's rifle doesn't prove anything. Uh, It just proves it came out of his rifle. It doesn't mean he shot the rifle or that he's the one that fired it. Uh, It also doesn't mean that it went through Conley's body either. Uh, Colony laughed at it when he saw the bullets. And this, I don't tell anyone how in the world a bullet like this could go through my body and look like this. Uh, the surgeons that did the, the uh, work on Colony's chest, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Shaw, who was a military surgeon, he'd, he'd uh, repaired people's bodies in World War II. He'd, he was an Army surgeon. He prepared uh, people who'd been shot with high-powered military ammunition. And he said, I know what military ammunition looks like when it hits bone. It gets flattened out. 
And he said the bullet that could, that this damage to Connie could not have been this bullet that they found on the stretcher. It's in, in my opinion, it's totally impossible. And this is a, the doctor that did the surgery on Connie saying this. Mm. Uh, he also said that the angle that, that of the bullet that went through Connie is not the same angle as the one that hit Kennedy. Uh, that's another reason why that single bullet theory is baloney. Uh, the doctors even disproved that. They measured the angle through Connie, and it doesn't even come close to be. It's a much steeper angle that goes through Connie than what hit Kennedy. Uh, so the whole thing just doesn't add up. It's, it, the trajectory doesn't line up properly on the single bullet theory. Uh, the bullet that hit Kennedy went into his back a few inches from his neck, not in his neck, because they have the coat in the shirt, and, mm-hmm. and we know where the bullet hole is because it's in his clothing. Uh, the autopsy pictures prove where the bullet hit him. We have pictures of his back where the bullet hit him, and it's not in the neck. Uh, the bullet went into his upper back, and that bullet, by the way, was never found at the autopsy. They, they never traced the wound from the back through the front to see if it went through his throat. That's another thing I wanted to bring up about the autopsy. They never did do a proper autopsy on President Kennedy. So there are a lot of things about this assassination that have caused all this controversy mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't do a proper examination. Let, uh, let me ask you something. Go- let me ask you something, Jack. If the president, if President Kennedy would have been assassinated today with the technology and the forensic abilities that law enforcement has at their disposal today, would they have been able to cover up the assassination? I don't think they could get away with it today. No. With all the technology we have, I think it'd be very hard to get away with it. Real hard. I mean, we have much better technology now. We have DNA, we mm-hmm. have computers, we've got cell phones, we've got, I mean, you just got massive technology now. It'd be, it'd be really hard to kill somebody and, and get away with it if there was a conspiracy. At least I think it would be. Yeah. So, so you were saying that there's there there was more there are more questionable aspects of the autopsy that there was no autopsy performed. Well, there was an autopsy okay. done. It just doesn't doesn't wasn't done properly. Uh. Uh, the doctors who did the autopsy, number one, were not forensic pathologists. Only one of them was Colonel Pink. Pink was, but the other two were not forensic pathologists. Forensic pathologists are the ones that do. They're experts at gunshot wounds. They're the ones that come in and do autopsies on homicide victims, suicide victims. Right. Uh, they're especially trained for gunshot wounds. These two guys, two of the three doctors, were not trained in gunshot autopsies, and yet they're doing the most important autopsy on the most important murder case in the history of this country, and they don't really are not trained to do it right. That's number one. <laughs> the military was controlling the autopsy because they had it at Bethesda Naval Hospital. The autopsy should have been been done in Dallas, number one, of course, uh, because that's where the murder took place. And at the time, it was not a federal crime to kill the president like it is today. So Texas had jurisdiction over Kennedy's body, not the federal government. And Dr. Earl Rose, who was the best forensic pathologist, one of the best in the country, was in Dallas, and he would have done the autopsy on President Kennedy had they let him do it. But the um, Secret Service would not let him do it. They took the body out against the against the Dallas authorities' wishes and took Kennedy back to Washington when they did the autopsy up there. That's another reason why I believe it was a conspiracy, because had the autopsy been done in Dallas, the truth would have come out. So that's why there was that struggle as the as the as Secret Service wanted to take the body back and Parkland uh, the you know the why wasn't the jurisdiction maintained in in Texas did now, did the Secret Service actually have the authority to remove the body? Well, what happened was Dr. McClellan told me what happened because he was standing there and he saw what happened. He told me that. Uh, Dr. Rose blocked their path when they were wheeling Kennedy's casket out of the hospital and said, you can't take his body out of here until I do an autopsy. Mm-hmm. The law says I have to do it here. And Dr. McConnell said the Secret Service agents pulled their guns out and said, move out of the way. We're taking the body. We don't care who you are. You're not doing any autopsy here. We're taking the body to Washington. And they physically moved him out of the way, forcibly moved him out of the way, and took the body out by force. Uh, I mean, that's that's hard to believe, but that's it what is, happened. Yeah. 
All right, Jack, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, uh, Jack Duffy sure. is our special guest. He's the author of The Man from 2063, and his new book is entitled Black Mamba. Jack's website is www.themanfrom2063.com, and Jack and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, you can listen to the Exxon 724-365 simply by going to www.exxonradiotv.com. That's www.exxonradiotv.com. And don't forget to visit the all-new e-bookcase at www.wikipublishinghouse.com. That's www.wikipublishinghouse.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Jack Duffy is our special guest of this hour. He is a JFK assassination conspiracy expert, strategic trial lawyer, terrorism expert, political analyst, and nationally known legal expert. His website is www.themanfrom2063.com. And Jack is also the author of The Man from 2063. And his new book that is out is entitled Black Mamba. Uh, during the commercial break, you were telling me about... Uh, some fascinating stuff about two separate brains being tested? Yes. Uh, this came out in a documentary that I saw two weeks ago here in Dallas called uh, Coup and Camelot. Uh, some researchers discovered from the National Archives that uh, they did the, the, uh, an autopsy on President Kennedy's actual brain on Monday the 25th, the day mm -hmm. of his funeral, and they sectioned the brain like you do a loaf of bread like you're supposed to, and they realized that the fatal shot had come from the front when they tracked the, the path of the bullet through the brain. Well, they had a problem because they knew that the shots were, had all come from the rear, supposedly, from Oswald, and now they have proof here that the bullet that killed him came from the front. So they came in with another brain, and they have documentation to prove this. This isn't something I'm making up. They brought in another brain that had been shot from the rear, apparently to set up, to simulate what had happened if Oswald had killed him, and they sectioned that brain, and that's the brain that they used to prove that the shots came from the rear when they knew good well that the actual brain showed just the opposite. That's just amazing. It really is. Um, what are, are what about the strange deaths that have happened uh, within the JFK assassination conspiracy cover-up scenario? Uh, there were a lot of strange deaths of interesting or very interesting people that were uh, very important people. One of the more important ones was a man named William Pitzer, who was the naval photographer at Bethesda, where they did the autopsy. He took all the photographs and X-rays of President Kennedy's body that were taken during the uh, autopsy, mm -hmm. and Pitzer knew what had happened to the president, because he photographed everything. He photographed his head, his brain, everything, and he told his family the night of the autopsy that, that the American people were being lied to, that, that uh, more than one person had killed the president because he had the proof right there in the autopsy room, but he couldn't say anything because he'd get court-martialed. Uh, but he knew what had happened. Uh, what's interesting about him is that he told his family that he was visited by the CIA a couple weeks after the assassination and warned not to talk about what he'd seen and photographed or his career would be over with. Uh, so he, was, he couldn't say anything about it. Uh, right before he was going to retire and get out of the military, he was found dead in his lab where he worked uh, with a pistol next to him, and they oh said it was a suicide. And what's, what the, what's interesting about this is that his family uh, said to researchers that there's no way he killed himself, that uh, they believe he was murdered, and they faced it to look like a suicide. 
because they knew good and well that he was going to blow the whistle on the Kennedy uh, assassination had he been allowed to live and, and get out of the military. He had also taken a 16-millimeter film the autopsy, which was in his lab, and that, that film was no longer in the lab when they found his body. Somebody had taken it, and we have never seen that film since. Uh, so he's one of the more important deaths. Um, there were three mobsters, uh, one Sam Giancana, Johnny Roselli, and Chuck, Charles Nicoletti, and Chuck Nicoletti, who were all murdered within a few months of each other. Uh, in the mid-70s, they were all going to be brought to Washington to be uh, to testify before the House committee. They were all being subpoenaed by Washington, by the committee, and all three of them were murdered by the mob before they could be brought to Washington. Uh, Gene Connor was killed in his home in Chicago. Rizzoni was killed in Miami and chopped up in pieces and dumped in the bay. And Nicoletti was killed in Chicago in a parking lot. So all three of these guys were murdered uh, right before their testimony was going to be used or before they could testify. Uh, some people say, well, it's just coincidence. Well, <laughs> You know, I don't believe in coincidence like that that much of a coincidence. Exactly. Uh, so those are three those are three very convenient deaths. Uh Dorothy Kilgallen, who's a well known news reporter, uh, she got the only private interview with Jack Ruby. The only she was the only journalist that ever got a private interview with Jack Ruby before he died. And to this day we don't know what Ruby told her. But she told her friends that she took notes during the interview and she told uh, people that she knew that she was gonna blow the Kennedy assassination wide open because of what Ruby had told her. Well, she ended up dead uh, from a drug overdose in her uh, Manhattan apartment before she could publish anything, and her notes were taken out of her apartment, or they were never seen. They were stolen or destroyed. The notes she took of Ruby's uh, interview were missing. Hey, uh, Jack. Found her. Jack, so, oh, I hate yeah. to do this, old friend, but you and I have run out of time for tonight. We'll have to have you back on in the near future okay. to finish this great topic. Thanks for coming with us, uh, coming on the show tonight, Jack. Always a pleasure talking sure, to you. Sure, I love it. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. www.themanfrom2063.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news. Don't go away. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word grade to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use. Text grade to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text grade to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text grade to 323232 now. Text grade to 323232. 